Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. Good morning. The title of my talk today, Be Excellent to Each Other, is actually a line from the 1989 movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But I came across the line more recently in the New York Times uh, book review, and I thought, gosh, that's a good line. That would be a great title for a talk. So here we are. Once you make that statement, though, uh, questions do arise to be excellent to each other, being analytical, you know. What is excellent to each other? And it doesn't mean who we're talking to has a lot of different needs. I mean, how does it happen that we're excellent to each other? And most importantly, though, how can it happen consistently and consciously? That's really the key, right? How can consistently and consciously be excellent to each other? Is that a pipe dream, an impossible goal? Well, I think I shared this uh, quote last time I was here, but Mother Teresa, when asked how she could be so spiritual all the time, said, nobody's that spiritual all the time. The important thing, the key is to move, to have the intention, excuse me, I wanna get Mother Teresa right. The important thing is to have the attention of moving forward with that goal. But I think ultimately, no matter how we spin it, and I don't think this is gonna be a surprise to you all here, but we really can't be excellent to each other unless we're excellent to ourselves as well. Like everything else, it always comes back to us, right? And we all know the experience of not being excellent to each other. We're human, you know. We all know the experience of having a really bad day where everything seems to conspire against you, getting done what you need to get done or what you want to get done. And we get frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated, right? Maybe we just don't have the patience right then to be our ideal self. It can happen through impatience, anger, and not just not being able to see anything else besides our situation right then. But after that, and when we are in a good spiritual place, we can usually acknowledge our feelings and recognize our behavior, reflect on it, look for clues as to why that was happening, apologize if we need to, and start over. That's what I love about unity. Sin is missing the mark. We can always, always start over. However, it's not so easy with strangers that we might not ever see again. You just have to bless that and let it go, right? But we're also recipients of non-excellent behavior sometimes, right? And that can be even harder. Someone from the blue attacks us, you know? And I had a lady in the parking lot of the grocery store the other day that accosted me, not physically, but verbally. It was a real eye-opener. I was coming out of the store with my cart. Her car was here. There was another car here. <laughs> it seemed like it anyway. And I was pushing my basket through those cars 
believe me, there was plenty of room. But I was pushing my basket, and she, she was in this car, and she rolled down the window and started yelling at me, don't you dare hit my car, and this is a new car, and all that stuff, you know. And I wanted to say, there's plenty of room. But what I said instead was, um, I'm being very careful, you know, and I was pushing my cart through, and I finally got to the other side. And what I really wanted to say then, if I'm being honest, <laughs> well, maybe I can't be totally honest, but, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to say, and ha you have a nice day too, you know, oh, and maybe a little word under my breath, but anyway, we all, we all have those experiences. But what we don't want to be is like the dog on the psychiatrist's couch that says, I bark at everything. You just can't go wrong that way. <laughs> and we've known some people like that. We probably have. We call them a little grumpy, things like that. But anyway, well, we know in the Bible, Paul said to pray without ceasing. And I remember I did not understand what that meant. I mean, how could you be praying all the time? What else could you possibly be doing, right? because I was feeling like prayer was segmented from my real life. And now I understand that it's more like coming from a prayer consciousness, coming from our highest nature, coming from Christ consciousness. And in fact, I realized I can pray all the time with the way I live my life. And you too can really be in prayer all the time with the way you live your life. Serving others, including those that are very unlike you. The most important awareness from my two, for my two cents is that we not feel separate, that God and I are one, that you and spirit are one, that ultimately we are all one together. And so when things do happen, we can take these timeout uh, moments to turn around our point of view and in the same time improve our health and well-being. I just saw this little video clip yesterday that said the most important thing that I learned about well-being is you do not have to attend every argument you're invited to. <laughs> thought that was really good. <laughs> Got it from Facebook, of course. But of course, there is that we do need to take time to invest in a dedicated time of prayer and meditation, as you know. I love Jean-Marie's talk a couple of weeks ago when he talked about tiny habits. You remember that talk? It was a great talk. But I think he used uh, the example of him being a meditation teacher for many, many, many years. And uh, he expected, or he suggested to his students that they do 20 minutes of meditation, you know, two or three times a day. And at first, people would start off like that, and then he noticed that, of course, they began to drop off, drop off. So this idea of tiny habits is to have an intention, and then do set your timer, do meditation for five minutes. You know, if that's what you've got, do it for two minutes, and celebrate. That was the third step, and then repeat. <laughs> All right, we got a celebration going on right here. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> From my point of view, though, dealing with each other, uh, nothing beats the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others as you want to be treated. And I've always heard that 
uh, every religion has something like that in it. So I have something to share. And of course, we just looked at ours, Christianity. It's from Matthew 7, 12. And then Hinduism. I have to see where I am so that I won't. <laughs> I think it's, anyway, Hinduism. This is the sum of the duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Buddhism. Treat not others in ways yourself you would find hurtful. And Islam, not one of you truly believes until you can wish for others what you wish for yourself. That one really gets to the point, doesn't it? Taoism, regard your neighbor's gain as your own gain and your neighbor's loss as your own loss. And Judaism, I really like this one too. What is hateful to you, do not do it to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is just commentary. Hillel, the person who made this statement and, and is recorded to have done that, was a Jewish sage who lived about the same time as Jesus, though they were not thought to have known each other. Well, sometime back, I listened to a wonderful podcast, and maybe you listened to it too, On Being with Krista Tippett. It's fantastic. It's on hiatus right now, but she, Krista Tippett, has been interviewing people for 20 years, and she interviews poets, theologians, community activists, scientists, everyone, and her first question, no matter who she's interviewing, is... What was your religious or spiritual, however you define that, experience growing up? And the answers are just absolutely fascinating because then you're going to get a story, you know. Uh, and so it's as vast and different as we are from each other. But the podcast I was listening to, this particular one, had two guests. One was an Episcopal bishop, Michael Curry. By the way, if you watch the televised wedding, of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, then you know who I'm talking about, the American, African-American bishop that spoke, who officiated and spoke very passionately. And the other guest on that program was Dr. Russell Moore of the Southern Baptist Convention. So what was fascinating to me was despite their very different points of view theologically, they've become friends and they are doing work together such as being on this podcast. And while they were addressing questions about the state, so-called state of our nation, right? The apparent division, adversity, the lack of civility, etc. The Baptist minister said that he didn't like the word civility. And I was first thinking, gosh, how can you be against civility, right? But that's not what he meant. He said that he accepted it and understood the word and what it was supposed to mean, but he thought it was too low of a standard. Too low of a standard. Because civil really means just being polite, right? And it wasn't enough to bridge this divide. And I got to thinking, well, you know, if we are going to get along while walking on this planet together and truly being patient, and tolerant and excellent to each other, 
especially those who are very unlike us, we do need a higher commitment. And then even more powerfully, Bishop Curry used the parable of the Good Samaritan as one of his talking points. And I know most of you know the story, but I still want to do a quick refresher on this parable as told by Jesus. And as a matter of fact, this was one of the many parables he was teaching in the last six months of his life as he was traveling around rapidly place to place. This is from Luke 10, 25, 37. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And this is when he told the parable that you're familiar with, I'm sure. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell in the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, who was a scribe, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own apple, sorry, animal, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you for whatever you have spent. Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. It was really great that Bishop Curry used that example to show how we can serve each other with compassion, including those that are unlike us. Jesus used the Samaritan on purpose as they were despised by the Jews and were looked down on for being inferior. So when you think about that, it's such a, such a wonderful lesson and still such a wonderful lesson to us now. So the question is, who do you neighbor who would you neighbor? And that's a question, right? I mean, that's, and it's up to us. It's a choice, right? It's all a choice of ours. Longtime Unity minister and author Elizabeth Santurner, who wrote the book The Hope of Glory, said about that particular parable, we cannot expect to correct all the ills of the world, but we can help the people with whom we come into contact this is our spiritual service. Sometimes this need is satisfied by a kind or inspiring word. Sometimes physical aid is necessary. Often, our most effective service is to pray. And so, as we do often in metaphysical Bible interpretation, ask yourself, who are you in this story? Who are you in this story? 
of all the characters. And even more fun, put yourself in all of the roles and look at it from that perspective. That's when it really gets interesting. Are you the wounded person? Perhaps representing all your worries and crises and problems and you're someone who needs help? Are you the priest or the Levite walking on the other side of the road? Maybe you were in a big hurry because you had an important engagement at the temple and had people waiting for you. And when you got to the temple, you were going to alert the authorities to send medical help. This is what happens when you look at it from your perspective, right, and identify with the priest or the Levite. How about the innkeeper? You've agreed to keep this man, but you have no idea now that you think about it how long he's going to be there, and you didn't know the Samaritan was going uh, to leave either. So now you're not really sure how this is going to turn out. Are, all, are you the Samaritan? We all want to be the Samaritan, right? I mean, for sure, yeah. There's a lot of people lining up for that role. But um, he stopped to help the injured man who was not a Samaritan, just as one human being to another, no matter what he was meant to be doing. The story brings up the question that I really already said, is who do you neighbor? Now I'm using it as a, um, a verb. I usually don't like nouns used as verbs, but I kind of like this one. <laughs> who, <laughs> who would you neighbor? Who do you neighbor? Do you want to consider just helping those that are like you? It comes down to what kind of person do you want to be, right? Because it is our choice, isn't it? And it really helps to remember, though, that despite outer appearances, you know, all the different things that we are, we are truly in this thing together. How could it be otherwise, right? So shall we open up and expand the oneness that we truly are, the divine that is in all of us, not just some? Do you remember that scene from the movie Gandhi when a man came up to Gandhi and said, I'm going to hell, I killed a child. And Gandhi said, why? And the man said, because they killed my son. The Muslims killed my son. And Gandhi said, I know a way out of hell. Find a child, a child whose mother and father have been killed, and raise him as your own. Only be sure that he is a Muslim and that you raise him as one. That still gives me chills. That was such a wonderful movie, but I, I remember that scene more than any other. Quite a few years ago now, I was at a conference in Portland, Oregon, and heard a keynote speaker named Carl Loeb. I knew who he was because I had used one of his books in a class, The Soul of a Citizen. But he also had a book called The Impossible Will Take a While, Perseverance and Hope in Troubled Times. It's really an anthology of very inspirational essays from many people very famous people that you would recognize. So his talk was great, but what stuck with me and what I try to remember is he said, when you're talking to someone who does not think or believe like you, a good question to ask them is, how did you come to believe this? Now you're going to get a story, right? And this story may help you understand your neighbor, maybe not, but at least you've listened. 
and a curious person would ask you the same. How did you come to believe this? So I invite you to try that uh, sometime. It works really well. Well, so in the final analysis, whether it's being more than polite is required, listening and trying to understand those unlike you, helping where you can, and following the golden rule. We can only believe and act at the level of our own consciousness. So again, in order to be, in order to be excellent to each other, we must be excellent to ourselves first. It's like putting the oxygen mask on, right? Before you assist anyone else. And one of our ways of being excellent to ourselves is to make sure that we give ourselves that time to go into the silence for contemplation, for prayer, for meditation. But give yourself that opportunity because that's where the divine and ideas come. Perhaps not as a result, perhaps not right then, but as a result later of having spent your time in silence. And then it's up to us to bring it into fruition. You remember what Willie Sutton said when asked why he robbed banks, right? That's where the money is. That's right. Smart guy. Well, we could say something similar. Why do we sit in the silence? That's where the inspiration is. I'm going to start this trend. Quite a few years ago, I was at Unity Village, and I had the opportunity to hear Rosemary Fillmore Ray. Now, you can tell by her, that middle name. She was uh, Charles, and Myrtle's, uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore's granddaughter, and she spent all kinds of time with them. In fact, she lived at Unity Farm, which is what Unity Village used to be called. She's made her transition now, but we were on class take, and we were on campus taking some classes, and we heard she was going to be there, and so we went over, and she was telling stories about her grandparents, and that was so amazing, you know, to be a Unity person and 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 listen to someone who lived with them and spent time with them when she was growing up. She told a lot of stories that day, but here's one. She said she brought a friend home from school, and her grandfather Charles Fillmore was sitting there meditating. And uh, she and her friend would go in and out that room and outside and back, but every time he would still be sitting there, still be sitting there. And finally, her friend said, is your grandfather all right? And Rosemary said, oh, he's just in the silence. The girl had no idea what she was talking about because she said she thought every grandfather sat for hours in the silence and meditated. So I can just imagine how long Charles was sitting there. But she knew no difference, having grown up with Charles Fillmore. But it is so important to return to that center, isn't it? We're going to get an opportunity to do that in a minute. From that center, from that center, we can choose wisdom and compassion and oneness. We can live our principles more consistently and more consciously with practice. We can choose to believe that we are not separate from source, no more than a wave can be separate from the ocean, because we are part of the overall wholeness of the universe. It's amazing, don't you think? That we are a part of that overall wholeness, that what we seek is not outside ourselves, that the kingdom of God is within.
And as we begin to get ready for meditation, just one last thought. So, in the movie, 1989, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, two lines became part of the lexicon, swept the nation, we were using them all the time. One is, be excellent to each other. And who remembers the second famous line from that movie? Party on! Party on, dudes! That's right. That's it. That's right. <laughs> so I believe we can be excellent to each other and party on, however you define that. Thank you. <laughs> and now we get to get comfortable and go to that center. You might take a couple of deep breaths. Try a couple breathing in your nose and breathing out your nose. Try two of those. This is what my yoga teacher does. And then do that one cleansing breath, breathing in and then out your mouth. I want you to think of someone or something that you love. It could be a person, it could be a pet, it could be a plant, it could be something else. Whatever comes to mind, when you think of love and gratitude. And picture it in your mind's eye. And then let it drop down to the heart space and feel that love. Now take that feeling of love and let it spread like a ripple in the pond when a stone is thrown into it. Let that love spread across this very room. Let it spread to your family and friends who may not be with you in this room. Let it spread to this local community to other communities. To the communities across this state. Across our whole nation. across the entire world. Feel that love, that peace, 
bringing these feelings to our conscious mind helps to train our subconscious mind in these memories and experiences. What we are saying without words is this is who I am. This is what I am. I am spirit. We are spirit. We are the ones we've been looking for. They will know us by our love. We envision being peace itself. Being kindness. Being a servant to each other. do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We turn the other cheek. We go the second mile. through our faith, will, and strength. Our intention is to be the best person we can be. And so it is. for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.